Welcome to Las Doctoras Podcast, featuring your favorite profas bringing women and gender studies topics out of the university and onto the kitchen table. I'm Christina, Chicana, Panay, queer, Sha, Aya, traveler, Earth, Mama, Bruja. I'm Renee, Mexicana, Tejana, Chicana, she, her, Aya, Mama, Bruja, scholar, and scribe. Together, we are the academic and word brujas creating revolutionary spaces outside the walls of the ivory tower to cast spells, read the ancient texts, and tell our sacred stories. We make this magic as an offering to our ancestors, to those who will come after us, and for the change we wish to see in the world. Salud! Hello. <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> Welcome to Las Doctoras podcast episode 49. We just 49. checked and um, we are happy to have on a repeat guest, a guest that we've had before. And before I hand it over, I just want to acknowledge that she was our very first guest on our very first episode, which by the way, we will be celebrating exactly four years this Saturday. <laughs> I love it. Renee um, puts them in the calendar and I love it. It's so exciting. I see it. Coming. I'm all about anniversaries. So, so I know. I mean, so I have to say that we recorded four years ago mm-hmm. and we had to record the episode three times because yeah. Our tech was off. Our audio was off. We were all still trying to figure out what yeah. was happening. So, um, and we were meeting in person. Remember, we were at, and we met time. in person. Every yes. time we were at your house, your old house, you know, that was so yeah. Fun. The first time, the one that we just could not salvage was at your house, though, Christina. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah, the very first, and then like it was, oh. it was a mess. It was a mess, but and, um, but she's been there, and and we love the conversations. I think. I mean, yes, it was all this tech issues, but I love that we all just really liked talking and having those conversations too. Yeah, I think it says a lot about about our homie who <laughs> was willing to, to just record a bunch of times for us. So without further ado, please introduce yourself, amiga. Hey, what's up? Hello, this is Danelia Arechiga, aka Dane aka the multidimensional mommy Mm-mm. and um you guys are so funny with this three <laughs> episode thing look at I think it's important for folks to understand that at the time we were in a collective and we were mm. in creative mm-hmm. spaces we were in community mm-hmm. and we were coming up with ideas for ways to express ourselves more authentically mm-hmm. and so when you when you two said like we're gonna start a thing we're we're gonna be last doctoras we're starting a podcast I was mm-hmm. like cool like how can I help? What can I do? I want to yeah. learn. I want, I'm in this with you. Cause I have always wanted to start a podcast myself. And so when you all brought that up, it was an easy yes for me, you know, because it was, I feel like it was in alignment with my own journey and I wanted to learn together. I was inspired mm-hmm. by you all, you know, and mm-hmm. I think we inspired each other. And, mm-hmm. and then like, how often do we get to like have alone time to play with our friends? And sit around the table and talk <laughs> shit and drink tequila and mm. snack on like you know munchies like play space 
it's playful it's play for us so like Mm -hmm. I'm just I'm super proud of Mm -hmm. you both I've been watching you listening to you absorbing all of the wonderful content you've been putting out well you know the thing is I want to mention that you came back you know for a conversation I think the following season um around money and shame and um and it feels so beautiful, full circle to come back to the conversation today that we're going to have too, you know, and I love this yeah. play space. It, I, it makes me think of brave space and play space. Like I just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but tell us, tell oh, us, okay. tell us, tell us all the things, your ancestors, <laughs> your astrology. Mm-hmm. What do you do? What are, What's your medicine? Mm-hmm. All right. How much time do y'all have? Okay. <laughs> um, so my name is Danelia. Um, uh-huh. My ancestors are from, so my maternal side is from Torreon, Coahuila, um, which I'm, I'm still kind of doing research on, like, because it's mm-hmm. so, it's so new to me. I, I've been digging for these types of like stories around where my family's from. So thank you for asking that question, because it's important to me to remind myself, like, to Mm -hmm. even just say the name even just to like claim Mm -hmm. the space of like yeah that is where my ancestors are from as far as I can trace them so far you know Mm -hmm. um and then um um my zodiac is I'm an Aries sun Leo moon and cancer rising um it's a lot of fun being me (laughs) for that reason (laughs) Um, but I would say that I'm a very emotional person. I'm a very sensitive Mm. person and I'm also a very intense person sometimes. And, Mm. um, I think my, my, my big three really reflect that, um, like those main, those main points. Um, lately I've been really trying to tap into the part of me that is, that is dominant, that takes up Mm. space, that is commanding, that is. Mm-hmm. fierce and unafraid but I but I had there were so many years of my life that that part of me was shamed mostly mm-hmm. by cis or questioning men who mm-hmm. I think truly I think had like issues with their own identity mm-hmm. around masculinity mm-hmm. and and women mm-hmm. and how they should act and how they should be and so it was kind of like like um I feel like it was squeezed out of me in some ways, mm-hmm. you know, and now mm-hmm. I'm like reclaiming that. And so that's, that's what I'm working on right now um, in my work, in my music, in yeah. my, um, so my, my main, my main form of like work the last 10 years has been mm-hmm. birth work. I've been a birth worker for 10 years mm-hmm. and my daughter's 10. I've been a parent for 10 years. So I've really been working with families and, um, you know, folk, pregnant folks, expectant folks, but, um, over the last couple of years, my, my work has shifted into more like liberation activism and really helping people connect to the tools that work for them to liberate whatever parts of themselves have been locked away for fear of whatever abandonment, you know, judgment, shame, all of the things that hold us back from being who the fuck we've always been, you know? So anyway, this is why I love being with y'all because you two in our play spaces that we create, we bring that out of each other. We can see, I feel like we can see each other's younger selves and like Mm. where, and we connect with each other's and 
and we play and we, we create. So I'm super happy to be here, y'all. Oh, thank you. I just, ugh. you know, ever since we met, again, we were in this uh, Latina Mothers Collaborative when we, mm-hmm. when we maybe first um, had our bigger conversations and when we recorded the first podcast. Um, I just want to like bear witness. I have always, I, I love hearing you name that you're stepping into this um, assertive, like, this is who you are. I'm dominant. You know, I love this. And I think that is always ha- how I have um, witnessed you. You know, it's so interesting. I've always been grateful to be able to interact with you because I see the the feeling and I also see the um assertiveness and like and um I feel like a long time ago Renee and I were told that we should have more Aries people in our lives mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. and, and and I, I get every time I'm like thank you thank you Ben for being <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. yeah um yeah and I think that that really brings us to what we want to talk about today which is, you know, thinking back to our very first podcast episode and where we were talking about shame and menstruation, right? And mm-hmm. I think we kind of all spoke to our journey with um, with our menstrual cycle and how much shame was tied to that and how that is so much a part of, you know, patriarchy and white supremacy and all of those things. And I think that... Um, on one hand, you know, over the last four years, as people do, right? We all evolve both in terms of our understanding of that shame, but also in our processing that shame, right? And trying Mm -hmm. to reclaim the parts of ourselves that shame took away. And I think for us witnessing you and your journey and seeing where you've, um, you know, gone in your journey is, is amazing. And I, you know, we all, you know, text message each other (laughs) and, you know, supportive of each other in so many ways. And I think that, yeah, I just want maybe speak to what your journey has been, even in the last um, maybe year or a few months, you know, we've been witnessing like a, a new, I don't know, mm-hmm. <laughs> a, a rebirth, right? Mm-hmm. Of, of mm-hmm. Um, Or maybe it's always been there and you're just sharing it publicly more. Um, but tell us like where you're at and how you, you know, yeah, what your evolution has been over the last couple of years. Mm, like medical stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny to hear you say that because I'm thinking like, how, what's what what has it been like what has it been that's that's changed you know um mm-hmm. what is like the underlying factor that has led me to ch- make changes in my life um mm-hmm. it has me thinking Renee actually about like yeah this this coinciding with our growth um at first I, I was like, tell us how this all happened within COVID, you know, let's start in 2020. <laughs> let's, let's go back, you know, but, and, and I think we can, but I think most recently, right. We've been really talking yeah. about this, um, our own, our own catharsis kind of our own. Yeah. I think, I think it's important yeah. for us to think back, right. And think like, what have we been through? Sometimes we're just like doing the work, mm. doing the work, doing the work, going, going, going. And then we're like, wait, how did I end up here? You know? Um, Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it I think it does go back to like 2019, 2020 when um I decided to be a surrogate. And I think in a lot of ways that was a coming out of sorts for mm. me because people people in my circle were kind of surprised, you know, like you would do that? Like what? And it's mm. like people didn't really understand the circumstances, you know? It wasn't like mm. I like I, I didn't go through an agency or anything. I just, it was like an, a private internal, like small group that was involved in making this happen. And it was, mm. it was all family. It was all love. You know, it was like a friend of a friend type of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, but being pregnant again, knowing everything I know about birth now, after 10 years of a career as a birth doula, yeah. like being able to, for me, like I got a lot out of it too. Like, I, yes, these people really wanted a baby and they wanted me to be the vessel for that, the, you know, the portal for that. But, um, but I wanted something out of it too. I wanted to feel what it was like to be pregnant again. I wanted mm. to pregnancy without being fearful. I wanted mm. to show my daughter this, this act of, you know, in a way it feels like an act of service to someone, you know, to be of service to them in a way that I felt empowered to be. I understand not everyone will feel that way. Some people have very interesting views on surrogacy, you know, but in Mm -hmm. this case, like I felt that it was the right thing to do. It felt like perfect alignment for me and my family. And it was, it was because it completely changed me. So Mm -hmm. I stepped Mm -hmm. into, I stepped into that pregnancy knowing like I wanted to, I wanted to like create something from it you know, I wanted to like go through a, a rebirth, <laughs> a rebirth. Yeah. every pregnancy, every, every child we have changes us in a new way. It challenges us mm-hmm. in a new way. And this was a whole nother level. You know, <laughs> I was yeah for 10 months and then gave this baby to their parents and, and then started to have my own, you know, new chapter of like, okay, what's next? How did, yeah. how did this, how does this impact me? What does this teach me about myself? And to be quite honest with you all, like, I felt like a fucking goddess. I was like, I was <laughs> you were like, glowing. Yeah. I, I remember when you were pregnant and you were glowing. I was like, God damn, you look good. <laughs> Those were some really Dude. good beach days. I just loved them. Yeah. I was just like, I, I was, was, I'm with a goddess on the beach. <laughs> I was feeling myself, you know, I felt really good about my decision to go through with this. I felt like I was really supported. I had a whole community of people who were cheering me on and were like fascinated by my story and wanting to help and be there for me. And it was wonderful. You know, I felt like a goddess. And I think that's where things really shifted for me because it was like, it was like, if I could feel this sexy Mm. pregnant with a big old Mm. belly, you know, Mm. why can't I feel sexy postpartum Mm. when I, Mm. when I still have a little belly, you know, like, yeah. What's the difference? It's a cycle. It's a part of our lives. It's what it's the reality of what happens to our bodies when we, we are the vessel bringing life into the world. It's a big yeah. fucking yeah. deal. And people need to like, act like they know. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so interesting, right? The question was like, how did this happen? And we're like, you're like birth, you know, I gave birth, I gave, I carried, I gave birth, you know, and I think that's the, actually an answer um, for Renee and I a lot actually mm-hmm. in our work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and also I just want to name that what you're saying about wanting to I, I would love to have 
like to be pregnant again, like to, for all those things, you know, for, you even <laughs> I, I don't, I'm 43. It's not, it's not happening, but, but also, and like the, the community, the midwifery, like the care, yeah. all of it. It's so beautiful. I love that you were able I think, to step Yeah. I don't, I, I don't feel like I would ever want to be pregnant again, <laughs> but if I, I did, if I were, I think the community that I would be surrounded by would be so different than my first two births. And I do agree that giving birth and having children was a huge like turning point, you know, and really, like you said, has, has you kind of thinking, what am I, what am I waiting for? Or why can't, like, I love that you said, like, if I can feel this sexy when I'm pregnant, why can't I Mm -hmm. like, that's, that's, that's a, that's a big thing, you know, for you to say that. And I think that that's what I've been witnessing in you over, you know, even the last few months, just even your presence on Instagram and social media Mm -hmm. and, um, and even like, I know sometimes it triggers in me, like, oh my God, like, there's still so much work that I have to do around my own relationship with Mm -hmm. sexiness and all of that. And I think a lot of it has to do, I mean, just so we name that, um, you know, there's, there's trauma, you know, there's sexual trauma in, in a lot of different ways for so many of us. Mm -hmm. So to step into any kind of space of sexuality can sometimes trigger that trauma. I think for me, I've processed so much of that as Mm -hmm. like, um, I know. So for me, there was a point where I understood the power of my sexuality, but only under Mm -hmm. like, only within my ability to get attention from men. Right. So it was always focused solely on that. Like my sexuality was about this thing about, you know, getting the male gaze, the fallow sex, the male gaze completely. And so much of sexuality in our society is defined, constructed, performed through the male gaze. And so I think there's a lot of it is like rejection of that, like not wanting, you know, to like play into these, you know, stereotypes, but then on the other hand, how do we reclaim or feel comfortable in our bodies in a way that's Mm. both not tied to that, but still like, well, yeah. How do we reclaim sexuality in a way that's divesting from the male gaze, but still feels true and authentic to who we are yeah so um earlier you mentioned like shame and how we we've talked about that in different capacities but I think that's that's that was the first step for me it was like re- being able to identify where the shame originates mm. because we we know that shame is a manipulation tool it's how you get people to to feel like they've done something wrong you you don't, mm-hmm. you don't know something's wrong until someone tells you they think it is. And if it's somebody mm-hmm. that you, you've put a lot of power in, mm-hmm. you've given a lot of your power away to it as far as like that they know better than you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I feel like when we're in alignment with our true intentions outside of what everyone else thinks and believes about what we should be doing, then we're able to make decisions out of like pure intention and usually I feel like for most people it's out of love you know it's out of seeking pleasure seeking joy seeking like the good things in life but 
I don't know. I, I feel like we really, we have to focus on unlearning the shame, finding the shame mm-hmm. where it originates, mm-hmm. and then really taking a really critical look at where that happened. You know, I'll give you a really, like, really simple example um, of how shame can impact the way that we see ourselves, right? And the way the, that we express ourselves. Um, I had an ex that um, I, I, I felt comfortable expressing myself with creatively at first, but then I would get a lot of kickback about my ideas. So for example, like from the way that I dressed, you know, I was always, I was always like, why are you wearing that? Or like, Mm. like, you know, like making little comments about like my appearance. Um, One time I was wearing like dark lipstick and he was like, Mm. I don't like when you wear that color. It looks like like he just, he didn't like it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, and, and so I never wore it. I never wore it again. Mm-hmm. That's how male gaze works, right? Like mm-hmm. a guy tells you what he likes, what he doesn't like about you. And then you, you aspire to be that. We internalize it. We internalize yeah. that, that expectation. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And we've gotten that for a lot of us, we've gotten that our whole lives, right? Whether it's from like lovers uh, or boyfriends or friends, fathers, fathers, <laughs> family, brothers, brothers uncles you know people everyone who's and not just men I would say anyone who has given us their opinion about our appearance about the way we present ourselves about the way we express ourselves anyone because it could be our moms it could be our sisters it could be anyone yeah the daughter of like you know hairstylists and like makeup art like it's there I can think of so much coming up for me because these are microaggressions like and they're so they're so little, but they make. And I think, all yeah, you're the right. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, Christina, you're right. You know, we always have to say, like, I grew up. My mom's livelihood was beauty, right? And and beauty within a very particular standard of beauty because that was her job. That was her livelihood. I grew up. I literally grew up in a salon, right? I was there every day. I knew my um, colors so- from when I was young, right? You could, are you in autumn or a winter? Like it was such a big thing in the eighties, I think, particularly. Yeah, you know. And I think, mm-hmm. and so there was such an emphasis because my mom also was very much like she kind of had this perception, like she was a walking advertisement, right? So she always had to look good because, you know, that was you know she was walking advertisement of her skills, and and then and then me being a reflection of her that was the imposed expectation as well. And so, I, you know, there's that interesting dynamic. And I also think that um, mm-hmm. the grace that I give to my mom is also remembering that for her mm-hmm. generation, for her to survive patriarchy was yeah. to abide by it. Right. Yeah. And here we are of a generation that has the audacity to say, no, yeah. fuck that. We're yeah. not going to abide by it. We're going to reject yeah. it. And there, mm-hmm. the fear from our mothers comes in what's going to happen. How, what danger are you putting yourself yeah. in when you're mm-hmm. rejecting these things mm-hmm. that have helped us to survive for so many generations? Right. Yeah. And so they're up there. I know that my mom, when she would get upset with me about if I wore something or whatever, it wasn't that like dark lipstick for some reason that really <laughs> it wasn't that like she didn't necessarily like it. It was and she couldn't verbalize that. Right. She couldn't yeah. put that to words to say, I am afraid of what might happen to you if yeah. you reject your gender this much. Right. If you reject yeah. these expectations this much, you are putting yourself in a vulnerable position that I cannot 
save you from. Yeah. Of course, again, they they were not verbalizing in that. But now that I can put it into context and I can see, oh, yeah. she was afraid for me. Um, and so her only her only way to help me to survive was to say, you need to follow these rules yeah. to police, you know, all of those things. Um, and now that so voice that is I in our survive. head, right? Now that voice is kind of internalized, you know? Yes. And so, but then, yeah, so we're always, I'm always checking, you know, like myself, even though I'm trying, and I have to be so conscious to not. And then, of course, Danelli, I really appreciate you sharing, like, someone else saying things like that commenting you know it's about your lipstick or about what you're wearing is you know it's so clear to me that that's we we don't it's not welcome it's not you know it's (laughs) like who asked you right microaggression right and actually what makes it even more clear to me and again you know gratitude for being a parent is like how I interact with my kid how we interact with our kids we would not tell them, you know, like, I don't like, I don't like what you're wearing, you know, or something like that. Like, I know this is a different like situation, but like, that would not be something that, you know, we're always trying to figure out how to bring out their magic, right? Just let it be, you know, clear the space for them to be themselves. And I think in sensuality or in sexual sexuality and our, and all those spaces, I think there's magic there and finding people who can just be like, let's let it be. Yeah. This, this is exciting. And oh, any of this expression. Yeah. And I was, I was, Oh, this has me thinking of, you know, cause it's trans awareness week, right? Is it this week or was it last week? And um, I think it's this week. It was oh. last week, right? Yeah. I don't know. It was, you know, recently. And um, this person was talking about, you know, this when people talk about oh how can kids decide if they're trans you know because their brain isn't fully developed and this trans person who's also some sort of doctorate in psychology or something was talking about like really putting that into perspective and to say that what it means for the for our brain the prefrontal whatever (laughs) all that terminology is right for it to be fully developed prefrontal cortex right yes so and that actually what that does is it's um it creates inhibitions right so we kind of understand what not to do based on you know anyway and so he was saying that actually when we're children because we have less inhibitions right that um that we're more authentically ourselves when we're children than when we are adults and so i think about even when i was mm-hmm. in high school and this was, you know, this was the era of like, I know I was a big No Doubt fan. <laughs> I wanted to be Gwen Stefani. <laughs> and she was, oh you know, God, she, would, too. <laughs> she would always wear these like tiny little crop tops, you know, but then still very masculine because she was, right. you know, she was in the the leader of this, you know, band and stuff. And so I, I, I feel like I played with that a lot, like, but I got policed a lot, you know, and in my head, I was like, I don't get it. Like, what's the big deal? (laughs) You know, I mean, obviously the underlying deal, big deal was that I would be sexual, overly sexualized and, you know, and which was true because that did actually happen. I was overly sexualized, but Mm -hmm. I, I I think I was frustrated in that, like, that's not my fault, (laughs) right? Like that has nothing to do with me, but Again, it had me internalizing that, like, oh, I'm going to 
be asking for that if I dress like that. And so there was a way in which as I got older, I started to, especially as my body changed and stuff, like, you know, just wanted to cover up more to protect my own self from that over-sexualization. And so it had me, yeah, a lot more inhibited about how I express my sexuality, which is, I think, why seeing where you come and seeing how you're kind of taking that back like I would really love to hear you speak to um like your pole dancing and all of that kind of stuff and how that's helped you to kind of re- I I mean if you're willing can I also oh, add say something Christina yeah yeah I just want to add the nuanced conversation around like we we're talking about perceptions around gender how people read you know as far as gender but I think we are also talking about the conversation around people's perception around race or culture or, you know, mm. and our, and our family's perspective um, when it comes to their concerns about us, not just because we presented femme or as women, but mm. also because of how we presented it in a white world too. So, mm. and I actually think then that you also like, you know, I think head on kind of look at this. And that's too. where the dark lipstick stuff comes from too, right? Because that was so much associated with being a chola. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Even so, though we were trying to go grunge. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> so I know. Right. Oh my God. So this is what I, this is what I'm hearing. I'm hearing that. So as I'm telling you, like part of the process is like identifying that shame, right. And, and where it comes from, what we're hearing is that our loved ones were trying to protect us from perhaps unwanted attention. So they're, they're teaching us they're teaching us that, you know, if we go out of the house a certain way, we might attract a certain type mm-hmm. of attention. I also experience myself more of um, the fear that other people will think, like you said, a chola, a whore, mm-hmm. a sex mm-hmm. worker, whatever mm-hmm. you want to, whatever you want to put there. But the fear that you might come off across as somebody who is sexual, mm-hmm. who is, who is sexual, regardless of how you use your sexuality, how you practice yeah. your sexuality, how you, if you get paid for your sexuality, like the, the shame has always revolved around being just a sexual, someone who perhaps has sex or enjoys sex, God forbid. Or it's not even about sex sometimes, right? It's no, about it's just not. the desire or the pleasure because it's so much, you had me thinking about purity culture, right? Because mm-hmm. when I was, you know, a child, even if I, I wasn't actually desiring actual sex, but I wanted even my own, like, you know what I mean? Even within my own body, like Mm self-pleasure, but even that was shamed so much. Mm -hmm. So, because I think we get so caught up in this idea of like, if we talk about sex with children, it means that they're having sex. And I'm like, there's so much between sex and Mm -hmm. all this other things that we, you know, we forget that it, Mm -hmm. like you said, that we are a sexual being. Sexual being does not mean sex. Right. per se. Right. It can right. be, but it can mean so much more. Right. So w- what I'm finding is that outside of just mm-hmm. penis and vagina sex, yes, exactly. Or penetrative, mm-hmm. or, or, or say penetrative mm-hmm. sex, there's so much more and it's not, you're right. It's not so much sex, but it's sen it's sensuality. And when I think of sensuality, I think the mm-hmm. senses it's sensual. Mm-hmm. You're, you, mm-hmm. you're literally using your, all of your senses to, engage in similar hormone um, Mm -hmm. increases that you would experience in Mm -hmm. sex, oxytocin and adrenaline and all that good stuff that makes Mm -hmm. us feel amazing, right? All the cortisol, but you're not even having sex. Sometimes it's just Mm -hmm. using your imagination. Sometimes it's Mm -hmm. just 
like honestly what has worked for me is like learning how to turn myself on learning how to look at myself in the mirror and be like damn girl what's up like you know (laughs) like honestly because yeah because if I don't if I don't feel that way and then I try to go out into the world and pretend that I do Mm -hmm. like that doesn't do me any justice you know Mm -hmm. I I have Mm -hmm. to believe it before I go out into the world and expect to receive it you know and um and a lot of that has come from questioning these fears these fears of judgment around like what are because again we're here what we're hearing is like these are words that our families have told us so we internalize them and we literally sometimes I hear the words in my mind as I'm Mm -hmm. going to my closet like oh I can't Mm -hmm. wear that it's too short oh I can't wear that it's too revealing oh I can't wear that it's you know and it's like why the fuck not (laughs) I don't want to be constricted when I'm out if I'm feeling myself I want to feel myself if I if I think I look cute in the mirror fuck fuck anyone who doesn't think I look cute you know what I mean like yeah Yeah. it doesn't matter I all that matters is that I feel comfortable that I can move my body in the ways that feel good when I'm going dancing or when I'm um I'm going to be doing something physical then I'm going to I'm going to dress however I feel comfortable whether that means like sweats and a crop top because that's what feels comfortable for me you know Gwen Stefani style with like baggy pants and like a cute little Mm -hmm. you know like it's also the way that we express our masculinity. It's, it's not just, like you said, it's not uh-huh, just, this, uh-huh, uh-huh. but like, what if people think you're gay? Oh my God. What if people think, you know, you look uh-huh. like, like a tomboy or whatever. Like these are like the, uh-huh. the little, you know, the things that oh, we were fed. We've got and, trauma they, around that too. Uh-huh. Yeah, they, yeah. They still come, they still come up. Um, but as I've changed my mind, I've done a lot of mindset work, changing, like questioning those, those fears and being like, number one, they're not mine. And I've spent so much time trying to, trying to pick, pinpoint, like, well, why did she feel that way? And where did she go through? And really doing the research behind my yeah. family's values yeah, and, and understanding who they were to understand why they got to those conclusions. And then I was fed those lies essentially in a lot yeah. of cases um granted They're we know so they pervasive. are doing it they are and we know and we know they were doing it to protect us but we lost our autonomy in those situations we were yeah, forced yeah. to do to like fit in these little confinements you know and at this point in my work I'm really focused on embracing like you said that younger version before the inhibitions come in because mm-hmm, yeah. I remember that kid, you know, I remember that kid. And that's what, that's where all this like reflective work has led me to like, who is she and what did she really like? What did she really want? What did she really Mm -hmm. enjoy? And honestly, when I think back to my younger self, my younger self was very sexual. She was very curious. She was very um, Mm -hmm. interested. And it, it wasn't just about sex. It was about like the human part of it. Like what, the fact that this, this almost like, this is like a, a magical thing that our bodies does is the ability yeah. to like get itself like excited. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I started experiencing that excitement like early, I feel like maybe, maybe not early, but for me, it was like, I don't know, first grade, second grade, you know, I was just like, like falling in love with people already. And just so like mm-hmm. overwhelmed by like, just that's the connect- cancer raising right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, so I've been giving that little one, a lot of permission to explore and to ask questions and to be unafraid of, um, 
doing what feels good, you know, because we've, we've all, we all, I feel like we have all done that. And then at some point somebody said like, why are you doing that? You shouldn't do that. And then, and then that, that joy, whatever pleasure you experience, whatever joy, whatever excitement you experience, it goes away. It's a little, it's a little dim to our spirit light, to our life force energy, you know? I think this is why we have to be so, we have to curate or be so discerning about who we bring into our spaces, into our circles. This is to me like the same thing with like not reading anything written by uh, white culture, white people, white white men in particular, Mm -hmm. reading women of color, but also like having these conversations and really holding, you know, I, I think what we're talking about is this, you know, a narrative that's like not about white savior purity, you know, all these other like, like uh, penis, you know, all this sex as one thing, you know, culture, we're trying to like, actively like, throw that away, burn it in the fire, let it go, you know, but yeah. it takes, um, takes so much. Um, and we have to, to, to reframe that to to create the new narrative and the new narrative is so simple right I love this we are magic as children we are in touch with our bodies and our sensuality like we know what we like um we 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 go after it we seek it out you know like and so to be in conversations like this I think is where where it's all at and I want to just um just be in gratitude for it because I, I actually don't know if people find this space, you know, as much as, um, in the ways that we have. Um, so we can talk about shame and menstruation, shame and money. And now we're talking about shame and, you know, sexuality. And I think it's so, so beautiful. I I agree. I think that if, if not for community, it would be very difficult to process. Right. And because there's, it's that internalized voice. And even if you can do work around, like you said, mindset work, and you can have this like inner battle, (laughs) there's still, it's still within yourself, right? It's still individualized. And it's still in that, in that it's an inner battle, but when you can, you know, talk it out. And I think that's, you know, even the three of us, when we've had conversations and we can say these things out loud and process them out loud with each other and then validate for each other. We're like, one, it's like, oh yeah, we're not the only ones who experience this, right? Two, okay, I'm not crazy, <laughs> right? This is exa- this is where it comes from. This is, you know, and then we're able to get to this new place of like understanding and being able to process that, that shame. I, so I agree. I think without community, it would be difficult to come into because to um, like I'm thinking about um even just and like where I was 20 years ago in terms of what I thought relationships, love, romance, marriage was supposed to be. And now I'm 15 years married, (laughs) right? Like my, I like the way my values around that, like my values around love and romance and marriage, I was, I, It's so starkly different, but because I've been able to unpack so much and I'm not attached to these um, 
I'm not as attached. I think there's still a lot of work I have to do, but I'm not as attached, right, to these expectations around what that's supposed to look like. And it just opens it up for, you know, so much more. I mean, I think I'm like, I'll, I'll name a few things. I think that for a long time, you know, the idea that when you get married, that this person is supposed to meet all your needs, right? Romance, emotional, physical, financial, like everything. So that if they fall short, which of course they're going to fall short because no one can fucking do it all. <laughs> right. And so when they fall short there, it's somehow there's like something wrong in the relationship. And the minute that I understood that this one person does not have to meet all my needs and that I can have a community of people, you know, that, okay, he's not meeting my emotional needs, but I have Christina, <laughs> I can call, or I have you, I've called you how many times on it <laughs> to be like, I need to process what's going on. Right. Like, um, and so then it doesn't put that pressure on the marriage, but again, like, you know, even 10 years ago, I don't think that I would have been free to feel that way because, I was still kind of, you know, in a certain bubble, but being in a community where there's a lot more support for looking at relationships from a different perspective, I'm not like, you know, then I'm like, oh, I feel comfortable with this. And it just, it's so much more expansive to think about it in that way. So, you know, thinking about Christina and I, Mm -hmm. you know, we're like, it's kind of like a polyamorous (laughs) situation, you know, where, you know, we're, we have this deep love and emotional Mm -hmm. connection Mm -hmm. for each other um Mm -hmm. that again within the idea of like Mm -hmm. cishet marriage is only supposed to be within that you know dynamic I want to I want to add something um someone came to the door I stopped out so tell me if you've already covered this but I think I'm in that part of my therapy journey um with (laughs) you all where I'm just tired about talking about that ex I'm just like f that I don't want to talk about that person. And in, in, in this case, I, I don't want to talk about like, you know, phallocentric sex at all. I don't want to talk about, you know, um, the story of the knight in shining armor, you know, who turns out <laughs> to, you know, to, to, you know, basically kidnap you or something. I don't know. Like, you know, all those narratives, all those Disney, all those everything. I'm just tired of them. I'm wanting to be a part of conversations and be inspired by people who are doing, who are changing their language radically, who are mm-hmm. living into expressions, you know? And so that, then I like that you're doing this, like to me in this outward expression. Um, I think also I've been really leaning into being the generators again, you know, Renee, like for the um, human design. And I think Danella, you are a manifester generator. Do you know what you are? I forget. Cause, but basically you're yeah. out there and you know, it gives me life, you know, it mm-hmm. reminds me, you know, that um, that old narrative's got nothing at all. And I, and I can just like literally just let it go like a cloud, right. Passing by and I can focus on all this other magic because it's there. And witnessing your journey again, I think simultaneously kind of does scare me sometimes when I see you posting certain things. I'm like, Oh my God, because that internalized voice wants to come in and protect you. Right. Just like my mom wanted to protect me, but then it's also, it's also pushing, pushing me into my next evolution. I'm Mm -hmm. like, nah, dude, she's fucking doing that. Like, 
Mm-hmm. How can I, you know, get step into mm-hmm. that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so community has been the biggest source of support for me in that evolution. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the stuff that I did was um, during that time, like over the, the course of the last three years, I kind of have been more open and accepting of my, of a queer identity um, of my own queer identity, I should say. And I think with that has come a lot of liberation too, because then it's not just the, you know, the, the cis female experience, (laughs) but, um, the, you know, really questioning like, um, where I belong, where I fit in, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and I, I find that in queer spaces, I do feel more free because guess what? I'm queer, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And to me, that just means that I, I don't do what most people are doing. I'm doing different things. I'm doing, I'm trying whatever feels best for me. And I don't necessarily want to commit to a certain identity, a certain, take a certain side. I'm just, I'm open to love in any form um, that feels right, you know, and that, that includes platonic love that includes, mm-hmm. you know, non-sexual intimate love. Um, I, I love all of it, you know, and it's really just about like connection for me. So, um, so that's been really fun to explore. And then at the same time, like exploring what that looks like in my expression, you know, um, the other community that I got a lot of support from was, um, the pussy empowerment community, that I worked with last year. I took um, Alyssa, her name's Alyssa Arapacio. Um, She's a sex worker and a teacher. And that's something I wanted to name too, is like, I want to give um, gratitude where, where it's due to like sex workers really for paving the way for a lot of um, these like female or women or femme empowered spaces um, because like, they've been, they've been like taking power, you know, into their sexuality mm-hmm. and being, being, you know, imprisoned and shamed and disregarded in society in some cases, just because, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're doing this um, type of work, even though it's like one of the oldest professions to ever live <laughs> and like the early sex were, <laughs> right. And, and even further back, the, the earliest sex workers were fucking deities. You know what I mean? Mm, like, mm. there's a reason that that mm-hmm. we've been fed shame around sex work because of the fear of what could yeah. happen if there, you have all these empowered ass people who are like, mm-hmm. fucking pay me for what I know I possess that I can mm. give to you. And what, what do you think is going to happen if we're all running around like that? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, Anyway, I, mean, well, I just want to I love that because I think archaeologists, right, who were male and white, um, always read like female deities that were naked or pregnant or large or just fertile as um as prostitutes. Even back then, right? They kind of could pigeon them into this patriarchal story when really they were goddesses, deities, diosas, you know. Right. So I love that. I love it. Yeah. That. Mm-hmm. And so I think learning from people um you know, very different values and lifestyles than what I was growing, what I grew up around, which was Catholicism, you know, lots of sexual shame, um, that it really expanded my brain a little bit. It opened my mind to, you know, where a lot, again, a lot of conditioning has happened. Um, and then in that finding like-minded folks who, you know, 
are doing things that maybe, maybe I see myself doing, you know, I'm like, I see Alyssa out there shaking her ass, looking hot as fuck. I'm like, I want to do that. That looks like so much <laughs> fun, you know? Why the fuck not? And then I meet, I Thanks actually mm-hmm. I actually found her listening to a podcast and I joined her class and and she kind of we worked through a lot of this stuff, you know, a lot of what well, like mm-hmm. we worked, we worked through a lot of like movement. And she would kind of give us tips for like ways to move our bodies. And the more that I did it, the more I felt like, God, this feels fucking good. Why haven't I been doing this forever? Mm. Oh, that's right. Cause I was shamed. Oh, that's mm-hmm. right. Cause I look like I'm being too sexual when I move this way. And so as you're moving through it, it's like, you're working through that shadow, you know, all those voices sure. that tell you it's not right. And in doing it anyway, and doing mm-hmm. it in community and, do- and doing it in a way that celebrates our sexuality and like a sex positive mm-hmm. environment. Mm-hmm. um is really powerful and so i feel like i was given permission by this community like that it's okay to be this way you know it's okay to express my sexuality openly and honestly it feels right to me it feels good yeah. and what feels the best is when people like y'all see it and say damn like how can i do that <laughs> you know <laughs> mm-hmm. how can i do that and then i'm like come on like let's explore these things together because I really do think that once we once we move through all of those that shame and we have more of an awareness and we 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 release it and we let it go and we then what's left is like our true authentic selves and from that Mm. space where we create the most beautiful things because it's it's from our heart it's not from anybody anybody else's influence it's from our true essence that we create the most beautiful projects and the most beautiful offerings. And, and then that's how we kind of like build, keep building our communities and help lift each other up, you know, and, and make sure we all have what we need to, to live a happy life. Ideally. Yeah. That's, that's all I want. You know, I want (laughs) to live a life of of peace. I want to have peace of mind. I don't want to be so worried about what other people think that I'm not doing what I actually Mm -hmm. want to be doing, which is Mm -hmm. creating art, sharing my story, you know, Mm -hmm. um, spending time Mm -hmm. with my loved ones and really taking life easy. (sighs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I love it. I think there's so much to, to think about there, right? Like that section, that movement, that sensual movement and how, like you said, it's working through, shadows and you're like quite literally physically working through that shame right releasing that shame um I'm here for it Renee I think you are too I think that's our next level we're gonna <laughs> it is my next le- I mean it's right. been living we're not gonna, in me. maybe, maybe we won't publish it at bed first but whatever well we can be there we can do that it's exciting <laughs> so, I want to I think so let, using our bodies mm-hmm. let me ask you this and feel free to say it's too personal but I'm curious have you ever pretended? <laughs> pretend, <laughs> tell me. It's funny, like the way it's about to come out. Have you ever pretended to be the guy in sex, like move your body the way he has to to like fuck you, like move your like, you know, thrust your hips? I'm over here doing it. I I have. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I can't like, get into too many details, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. The way that I've been relating, relaying this is like, like we all possess that same power. You know what I mean? Yeah. We all do. We all do. It's just that we've been conditioned as 
femme presenting people to like be the receivers of that power be the passive not, be the passive get, right exactly and yeah. not possess that power ourselves when we re- yeah. in reality we actually have more if anything because we are so divinely tapped into the spiritual realm where our little humans come from yeah when they come through us you know mm. And I know, I know that like we, you know, uh, people with penises and testicles have their own spiritual form when they carry, they, you know, they carry the sperm into the, with, into conjoin with the egg, but like, I I don't really want to like compare, but like we, we, there's, there's a reason that, that patriarchy has kept us from knowing our power because with that we we are so powerful you know i'm thinking about not not to get too political but i'm thinking about what's happening in iran right now seeing all Mm -hmm. the 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 women and femmes getting together and freaking putting their lives on the line you know Mm -hmm. to reclaim their autonomy um it's freaking Mm -hmm. powerful and i'm really hoping that we learn Mm -hmm. to see that like we this is the time for us to tear down all of these old systems and really yeah. have the world see the world that we want to live in where women are not living in an oppressed society around I, the world. Yeah, no, you're hundred percent right. In terms of speaking to the purposefulness. I mean, I think Christina is the one who says it all the time they do it on purpose, right? Like, of course they know that as life givers, right? Mm-hmm. The power that we have, right? If if cis men could have babies, you better believe they would weaponize that shit, right? Like they would be weaponizing that and to say like, this is proof that we're superior, right? That we're gods and all of this shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, they, they downplay that in so many ways, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Because they do recognize that, like you mm-hmm. said, if, if we truly stepped into as a collective, right? If we stepped into the power and the abundance of power in that, yeah, we could, we could take over the world. <laughs> and that's what they're afraid of. Um, yeah. Mm. I love it. It's coming back to like, you know, this pre-patriarchal kind of conversation or not just um, chronologically, but like there are spaces, right? Native indigenous spaces that are pre, pre, they've never been patriarchal. It's so beautiful to think about them, like where bleeding and giving life is, is so honored. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I talk about this with my classes a lot when we talk about like reproductive justice and speaking about it in terms of, yeah, matriarchal um, communities that there was so much reverence for those who menstruated, so much reverence for those who gave life, right? Because mm-hmm. they understood, I mean, I mean, we fucking grew humans inside of us. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> like when I think about it sometimes, and then like we, you know, we breastfed and thinking like, I kept my child alive solely on my body like that that was always the trippiest I think I don't miss being pregnant um but I think if there was something I did miss breastfeeding was always something very powerful for me that I I did enjoy you know until I did it and then I was done 
Um, but I did enjoy that. And I think it was always like understanding like how powerful it is to be able to, you know, produce this life-giving, you know, I don't know, life-giving nutrition, right? Mm-hmm. Nutrients from our bodies. Um, but I, I love Dana, you talking about just the movement. And it has me thinking of um, when I did like my yoga certification, we talked a lot about how much like in the psoas, right? Like around the hips, that's where a lot of our stored emotions and trauma. And so that mm-hmm. the more we move or able to get movement and flexibility, um, the more that trauma is able to be released. And so I think that's a sex- sensual sexual movement all comes from there, right? Like that hip movement and Absolutely. how much how much we're like sexuality is and even the act of sex is is a spiritual, you know, mm-hmm. emotional experience. Um, I do I love think all the science that you're bringing. I really love it. Yeah. Really. I do. I, I that's, think it's our, that's our yeah. next. Uh, we got to go do some take some take some classes. <laughs> yeah. I think, so I think there's fear. I do think that there's I mean, I'm sure Christina, you know, there's there's just there's still well, a lot of knows. Fear. I have like this like fearless side and I have this totally fe- feared controlled side. So, I mean, you can see it. So I, I want to tap more. I want to integrate. I want to like make it not so binary within myself, too. But there is definitely there. Yeah. 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 Well, that, that's that's another um, community that I've I've tapped into more recently. There's a space in Newport Beach that it's called the Newport Peach. Uh, sorry, it's not in Newport Beach. It's it's in Costa Mesa, but mm. it's called it's called Newport Peach. And mm. um, my friend Nettie, I'm gonna give her a shout out. She runs a class every Thursday that's just like it's called the Ritual Room, and yeah. it it has really just become me, right? yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's just become such a like important part of my week to just get away and move my body in ways that feel good. It doesn't necessarily have to be sexual. It's just mm-hmm. like, sometimes it's just like being in the, cause it's, it's such a vibe there. Like, you know, she's playing mm. like really like great music and the lighting and, and then you, you're coming into a space knowing it's like sex positive. So it's like, move your body yeah. however you want. Nobody's, nobody cares. Nobody's judging nobody. Everyone's yeah. in their own, like in their own space, you know, and yeah. she gives us guidance, but we have a lot of space to just freestyle and just do what feels good. And um, that's really made a big difference for that exact reason, Renee, that you're mentioning, like there's all these, you know, these spaces in our body where we carry trauma, we carry tension, mm-hmm. we carry, um, you know, pressure. And a lot of times we don't even know, we don't even feel it. Cause we're so used to it. We just kind of numb out sometimes. And so yeah. doing this type of movement has helped me get out of that dissociative dissociative space where yeah. I can actually be in my body and see like, oh damn, I'm really tense in my, in my glutes right now. Let me, mm-hmm. let me shake them a little, like get it out. You know, it's therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's made a huge difference in how I feel in my body. Mm-hmm. And also I think in opening up these channels of creativity that lead me to do the things that I'm doing, you know, like you're mentioning um, some of the stuff you're, you're, you've seen, like I have like some photo shoots and things that I've been working on with a friend of mine who owns um, a lingerie company. Um, and we've had so much fun just like coming up with mm-hmm. creative ways to market her, her product, you know, and okay. in ways that it helped me engage in more play, in more expression, in more opportunities to like push myself a little bit further and see like, 
how far can I go with this? You know, with like doing what feels good and being unapologetic about it, mm. you know, because yeah, what might be fun to me, maybe some people see it and they're like, I don't want to see that, you know, but that's cool. If you don't want to see it, you don't have to be here, you know, but yeah. for the people who see it and they're like, damn, like, I want to do that. That looks fun. Or where was that? Or how do I get that lingerie? Or, you know, yeah. where can I take classes? Like, where can I get involved? Those are the yeah. folks that I want. I want to be in community with right now, because the more we have community around mm-hmm. us, who is supportive of our, our exploration around our expression, specifically around sexuality and sensuality, yeah. um, the safer we can feel to express it. It, it is hard to do it by yourself. I feel like, because, because if we're on our own, we are mm-hmm. just replaying those like nar- mm-hmm. narratives, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we can mm-hmm. work through it on our own. But when you're in these spaces where it's like very safe to be, mm-hmm. to explore this, it makes all the difference. And I feel like yeah. that, that would be like my biggest tip to anyone who's like feeling like they want to tap in, you know, but mm-hmm. there's fear is like find a space and do some, you know, do some research in your area to see like, you know, where your people are. Um, there's a lot of wonderful mm-hmm. leaders in the community who are helping reclaim um, sexuality and, and it's magical purposes in our lives. Um, yeah. I wanted to say too, I think what's being maybe unnamed here, which I think should be named is, you know, before, uh, before I gave birth, uh, before baby, before, you know, like I did some burlesque in San Francisco and, and I was thinking <laughs> about the crowd of people there. And I was thinking about how expressive I felt. And I was thinking about Marianismo too, and all these things about maybe there's a lot coming up for me as a mother, you know, as a, you know, a mama, like, what is that? And I love also, like, so, so here's the difference, you know, that was such a young single, you know, mm. maybe white space, you know, and so I would love for you to name how these spaces, what I'm seeing in them is that, you know, so maybe I'm going to name them, but like there's different bodies, there's different gender expressions, there's different, um, yeah, like, you know, it's, there's, there's a a welcome, there is, this space Mm -hmm. is for people like us. I don't know, like, you know, not single, you know, no baby, you know, whatever, like, I feel yeah. like this is there, I think we would feel very like welcome in. What I hear mm-hmm. you saying is I think there was there was a time and I would agree for myself that like I think before kids there was a freedom maybe to express sexuality in a way that it definitely is tied to Marianismo, right? The idea that once you become a mother, that is your sole core identity. And so to be sexual and to be a mother goes against you know, not just gender norms, but it goes against, you know, mm-hmm. all norms. And so I think for you to be a mother and to be reclaiming that from that perspective, that's mm-hmm. that's definitely been a, a challenge for me is I think I was a little bit more, well, I mean, I, I am sexual <laughs> all the way around, but I think there was a freedom, you know, before I had kids and now it's like, ooh, there's just like ooh, almost like compartmentalization of that. And I feel um, hyper watched as a mom too, right? Yeah, so, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I feel that, and I I get some of that pressure too. But the way that I see it is like, like yes, I'm a mom, and how the fuck do you think I ended up being a mom? I had sex. <laughs> <laughs> so if you think that being a mom is not inherently sexual mm-hmm. too, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, you know, and 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 not in like a like again. We have to stop thinking about sex as P and V, you know, mm-hmm. or as, yeah. as Christina said, which I love, fellow centric. Like, like that's not it, you know. You that's that's just the like. That's just like the boring vanilla version of what we were taught sex is. Okay. There's so much more that we're, we're not into, you know? I love it. Um, and I love the conversation. When does it and, become sexual too? You know, like, I think it's all right. sexual, right? That's a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and um, but also and I, these spaces are run by or led by women of color. That's too, right? Yeah. I think that's, that's also what I want to hear names like. Yeah. 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 Well, this, the spaces that I participated in, yes. Um, but see, that's, that's part of my research is like, I have been looking for the right people for me. And I realize not everyone's going to be the right person for anyone listening. You know, personally, yeah. I have also started to like teach workshops and hold circles and do more one-on-one guidance around this. Um, but I, again, I understand that like, I'm not going to be the right person for everyone. So I'm naming these also so people can see, like, you might have to find a couple different communities to get the needs you have met. You know, like I said, I, I became, I um, became part of this, this queer community around the queer mercado in East LA. It's a, it's mm. a weekly, mm-hmm. it's a weekly um, market. And, and like, we never had anything like that growing up just mm-hmm. right by, near the, down the street from there in Montebello, you know? So um, to see that kind of community and, in like what I would consider my hometown area, like mm-hmm. has been really awesome and inspirational. And then I, I was playing with my band there most, most months, you know, and just meeting the community and interacting with the vendors and just seeing what the organizers are doing. They're doing so many, mm-hmm. yeah, so many wonderful things, but just like networking and getting to know people and talking to them and getting to know their stories. Like we all have stories. And the more i personally believe the more we share our story the more we can find our people because mm-hmm. more often than not we have a lot in common and if we don't we can still learn a lot from each other you know so yeah. um getting involved in in those communities and um sorry I got yeah I got no I mean well, I think that the, may... oh I was gonna say I think there's there's there I mean we can talk forever about this the, I think mm-hmm. the last we should probably wrap up, but the last thing I, I wanted to just mention, mm-hmm. I think an experience that I remember oh. having, especially in my breastfeeding, um, breastfeeding time <laughs> was, I remember people often on one hand saying that breast, like shaming breastfeeding because especially breastfeeding in public, right. Mm-hmm. Cause there was this notion that, you know, if you breastfeed in public, like that's sexual, right. And in like the sexualization of breastfeeding. And so I think a lot of people's response to that in the, in, in the attempt to respond to that was to say that breasts are, um, you know, for feeding children. Right. And although I understood that, that also kind of like, I was, mm-hmm. I felt very limited by that because it, again, it just kind of said, okay, like sex is for procreation. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I was like, no breasts are both for feeding our children and for mm-hmm. our own sexual mm-hmm. uh, pleasure, right? Because it was like, oh, somebody else is, a man is going to sexualize you if you are breastfeeding. And I was like, okay, cool. But my breast as as erogenous zones have nothing to do with how pe- somebody is looking at me. So I just, I always like felt uncomfortable saying like it was, you know what I mean? Again, it was compartmentalizing rather than saying I'm this mm-hmm. whole human being that can be both a mother and a sexual mm-hmm. being, you know, and a sexual person. And, um, 
anyway, that was that was the kind of last thing I wanted to mention. But that name, I think she, she remembered her thought. And then yeah, 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 yeah. We want to have people find you. That's the other thing. I just wanted yeah, to that's, okay. yeah, that's I'll, what I was going to say. I'll share that. Okay, so I didn't get, I think I got distracted and I didn't answer the question about being a mom and being sexual. So for me, I have done my best to teach my daughter um, about sex in an age appropriate way since she was little, whether that was like using the correct anatomical terms when talking about our bodies or um, having books. And, you know, I'm, I'm a birth worker. I teach people how they're going to give birth about how where babies come from. You know what I mean? So (laughs) it's kind of been like very organic for us to have these conversations. Um, And I mentioned that because to me, the only person whose opinion I really care about is hers. Mm. If, if I'm doing something that makes her feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and she's like, I'm afraid, like she has her own fears, right. About what people are going to think or what people say or what I'm like, let's talk about it. Let's talk about where that fear is coming from, you know? Yeah. Um, because she's only 10, but she already has her own ideas of, of what is right and what is wrong. You know, she, she kind of jokes about my, my escapades a little. She's like, you're going to go to your booty shaking class. <laughs> and I'm, ah, I am, you know, but I explained to her, just like I was saying a minute ago about how it's therapeutic. It's medicine for me because I yeah. hold so much tension in that area. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like going to therapy for me, you know, but I'm exercising my body. And so, um, again, her opinion is really the only one that I care about, but for people who ask, like, how could you put yourself out there in this way? Some, some people have told me like in an overly sexual way. Um, and what does that say about your parenting? I would say that it, it teaches my child that I'm not afraid of who I am and I'm Mm. not afraid to let people see who I am because posing half naked in my chonies, like I like I, I enjoy the way it feels when I do it. It makes me yeah. feel good. It makes me feel liberated. And it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks. As long as I know that what I'm doing feels good and I'm not hurting anyone. And you're not hurting like, anyone. Yeah. Then why should I feel apologetic? You know? So yeah, to be who you again, are. it's, it's really about like detaching from what others are thinking or saying, because we've put so much value in that in the past. When really we need to learn how to listen to our own intuition. What feels good for me? I went through so many years of not even knowing what I liked anymore because Mm. I had, I had contorted myself to fit what other people liked or what Mm -hmm. I thought they wanted me to like, you know? And so all of this has been about exploring what's true for me. And, and it's in that space that I've been able to kind of emerge in this way and feel really good about it. So that, that was my answer to that question. Yeah. So, yeah. So to wrap up, we appreciate everything you said. This is what we've been dying to get back to is just these like talks with our comadres where we're just like, you know, deep diving on these topics. Like I'm like, this is our magic right here. This is our medicine being able to create these conversations. So Mm -hmm. we appreciate it. And yes, please tell people where they can find you, how they can work with you. Yes. So you can find me for now on Instagram since they just let me back. Um, my Instagram handle is at the multidimensional mommy. Mommy is spelled M-A-M-I. Um, you can also go to my website at daneliaerechiga.com. Um, hopefully you guys can link that somewhere because I'm not. We will put them that. in the show notes for sure. Okay. 
And then um, the way that you can work with me is right now I'm, um, I am taking some birth clients and I'm mostly taking postpartum clients, but um, just get in touch with me on Instagram and see what I have at the link in my bio. That's going to be the best way to kind of know what I'm doing right now. I'm always doing something different. Um, I work with a variety of clients, whether you're a birth client or just someone who is interested in sexual wellness and, um, and with Latinx parenting, right, these days too. Yes. And I'm also working with Latinx parenting as part of their outreach team. So um, anything related to birth, parenting, sexuality, liberation, using your voice, speaking your truth, storytelling, like learning how to just really step into your true, authentic self, hit me up. I want to meet okay. you. And um, I'm really, I'm really, really focused on building my in-person community right now, because for everything I just mentioned in this episode, you know, like being, being together in our medicine is so important. And, um, I really want to meet the people who, who are down to do this work together and support each other. So, yeah. Love. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the space. Love you guys. Love y'all. Intro and outro song is called Foreign Fog by The Corner House, a band that features our dear friend Danelia Arechiga. Oh,